Well, I hate waiting. I hate waiting. I hate waiting in traffic. I hate waiting for my coffee to cool down so I can drink it. Uh, I hate uh, waiting on an important text or a phone call that I'm supposed to receive. I just don't like to wait. I doubt that there's any of us here who really enjoy a good wait. I like to sit around and wait. Um, we hate waiting. Let me ask you a question, though. What if your waiting had a purpose? Like, what if the waiting we're experiencing meant something more than just a time for us to get frustrated? What if waiting for Mr. or Mrs. Wright had a purpose? What if waiting on a dream to be realized in your life had a purpose? What if some of the pain that you're experiencing right now as you wait had a purpose? Now, some of us are waiting on something today. Uh, think about what that is. What's the thing that you're waiting on? Whatever it is, take a minute, think about it. What if you're waiting? What if the thing that you're waiting for, the waiting you're experiencing, has a bigger purpose to it? What if there's something in that that's more than we see right now? And what if we discover that even though we hate to wait, in waiting, we can actually make room for God? And God does some of his best work in us while we wait. So today I'm going to be talking about three reasons why we should care about waiting. And this morning we're starting a new sermon series that will be for the next three weeks. This week, the 10th and the 17th, and then we're done for the year. Uh, we're, we're not going to meet for the rest of the year. This is a traveling church, so uh, we won't meet on the 24th or on uh, New Year's Eve because you guys are going to go rage at a party or something, I'm sure, but um, if you're not. So anyway, we're going to meet for the next three weeks, and the new series is called Making Room in Advent. And Advent literally means the coming, the arrival. And Advent is meant to be a four-week time period where we're preparing for Christmas. And intent, uh, you know, the intention behind Advent is a time where we can experience purposeful waiting. And historically, Christians would fast and pray, and they would prepare their hearts to celebrate Christmas. And sometimes when we think about Christmas and what we're doing uh, during this holiday season, it can be anything but patient, uh, patient waiting. It can be a time of chaoticness. It can be franticness. It can be a lot of impatience. But it doesn't have to be that way. And so today we're talking about waiting as we enter into the season of Advent. And so we're, today we're going to talk about a story that comes from the Christmas story, and that is the story of Zechariah. Let me tell you about Zechariah. Zechariah was married to Elizabeth. Uh, and Elizabeth and Zechariah uh, had been married a long time. They were very old people, okay? They were well advanced in years. And Zechariah was a priest. And the scriptures tell us that Zechariah and Elizabeth found favor in God's eyes. They were very loved by God. God said, you got, you're good people. You're, you're, you're one of the good ones. And they had a problem. They were old and they were barren, meaning they couldn't have children. And uh, that was kind of... That was kind of like a difficult thing for him. So in this culture, it was a bad stigma not to have children. So if you could have a ch child, it was a bad stigma. Plus, you're a priest, and you're supposed to be representing God. So it's sort of like, is this a good priest or a bad priest because he can't have children? But here's what happened. When Zechariah was old, something amazing happened. Zechariah got selected. Every year, one time a year, 
a priest got to go into the Holy of Holies and burn incense as a prayer and offering to God to let God know that we're there, that they were there. And so he goes in and he gets selected. Of all of Israel, of all the priests, he goes and he gets to burn incense into this, this small room. And many, and, and this happened every year, and this was the sign of the prayers of the people, and it was a high honor to do this job. So Zechariah goes in to burn incense, and, uh, and the people are gathered outside and praying. And many times, when a priest did this, nothing happened. They would go in, they would light the incense, they would pray, and they'd be like, okay, my hour's up, and then I'd leave the building. But this time, this time when Zechariah, for some reason, he goes in, he goes in, and he notices just to the right of the altar, there's an angel there. There's like an angel standing there. And this text says that he was scared, that he was a little bit nervous. He's like, ah, there's an angel here. How'd you get in here? And the angel shows up and he says, Zachariah, God has heard your prayers. And Elizabeth is going to have a child. And the angel, whose name was Gabriel... The angel Gabriel makes this incredible promise about their new son, who is to be named John. This would eventually become John the Baptist. And John the Baptist would grow up and he would prepare the way for the coming Messiah. He would prepare the way for Jesus. But we see that Zechariah is skeptical. He asks the angel, he asks the angel how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Listen, he is a very smart married man because he says, I'm old. He says, but my wife is well along in years. It's a very responsible way <laughs> to refer to your old lady. <laughs> he wasn't like, me and my old lady have been around. But Zechariah has all but given up, okay? I mean, after all, he goes into the throne room, and there's an angel. Ah, didn't expect you there. Then angel's talking to him. And you still see that he's skeptical. He's skeptical even though an angel from God has appeared to him. And he's like, I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't know if I can believe you. Disappointment had set in. They had been waiting a really long time. And it's one of the struggles I think if we were in his situation, we can all relate to. Because it feels like nothing's happening. It can be painful when we have unmet expectations. And my hunch is, is that many of you know what this feels like. To have unmet expectations. Waiting is hard. Waiting often feels painful. But then again... What if there was a purpose in his waiting? What if there was a purpose in our waiting? What if waiting gives God an opportunity to work in our lives that we weren't expecting before? Uh, pastor and author Rich Viotis, uh, he wrote something that stuck with me, and I hope it'll stick with you too. I think we have it on, uh, on the screen here. It says, what God does in us as we wait is often more important than what we were waiting for. Let that sink in for a minute. What God does in us as we wait is often more important than what we are waiting for. Do you think that could be true? Do you think about the thing that you're waiting on? Do you think that could be true? That there's actually something happening in you? There's something happening in me? See, oftentimes we don't see the benefit of waiting. But what if waiting 
actually made room for God to work. And for me, the more I've delved into this topic, the more I've dove into it, the more I'm convinced that our waiting, the thing that we're waiting on, can actually serve a purpose. And I want to share those ways with you now first. In our waiting, God teaches us to trust him. So now for me, my nature is a, is a more type A uh, Enneagram 3 uh, if you don't know what Enneagram is, it's, it's, a, it's a personality test. Uh, I'm biased for action. I want to see progress. I want to see things happen. But the shadow side of that is sometimes I become too self-reliant. And when I become too self-reliant, I try to make stuff happen. I end up trusting myself instead of trusting God. Can any of you relate to this? Do any of you sometimes find yourself, I need to make it happen. I need to get something going. And when that happens, sometimes I miss out on God-sized opportunities and God-sized things because I'm too busy trying to chase Chris-sized things. I miss out on it. And sometimes, sometimes trusting God can mean that we have to trust in God's timing. There's a timing to everything. And let's be honest, God's timing doesn't always make sense to us, right? It, seemed, it can seem to contradict what we can see with our eyes, what we're experiencing, or what we think we know is best. And in those instances, it's so crucial that we don't Waste our waiting. See, in our waiting, we need to make room to trust God because when we trust God, something can happen. There's a second purpose in our waiting, and it's this. In our waiting, God matures us. He matures us and grows us up. I recently came across a story. Okay, it's this older married couple, and uh, they are getting really frustrated with their son because they won't give him a grandchild, okay? And they, he's married to his wife, but they won't have a baby. They're just not really into it, or careers are just not, they can have children. And so what they decide to do is they hire an attorney, they hire a lawyer, and they take the son to court. This is a true story, completely true story. They take their son to court, and they say, if you do not produce a grandchild for us in the next 12 months, you owe us a to sum total of $643,000. Uh, people hate, uh, I don't know if that held up in court, but you can look up the case yourself. Uh, people hate to wait. And sometimes when we wait, it brings out an immaturity in us. I would say that that older couple was immature and their response. People hate to wait. It brings out immaturity. Um, but let me ask you this. When have you experienced the most growth in your life? When have you experienced the most growth? When have you experienced the most growth in the way you relate to God and know he's working in the world? I bet when you look back, it was in seasons of waiting and seasons of challenge. I mean, when our lives are running smoothly, when we're on top of the mountain and everything is going well, like we're not, like we're not growing, we're not maturing, but when we're in the difficult times, when we're in the valley, when things, when we're stuck there, we're like, what's going to happen next? That's when God meets us, and that's when God matures us. There are so many moments as a pastor, uh, as a husband, as a dad, as a friend, where I've changed for the better, but it didn't happen in the good times. It happened in the hard times. It happened in the waiting. But there's a promise in all this. In Isaiah 40, uh, Isaiah is speaking and he says this, But those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar 
on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will not walk and not be faint. Faint. So, uh, they will not grow faint. Excuse me. They will not be faint. Excuse me. Uh, now, some translations actually say those that hope on the Lord. Those that hope on the Lord. And what you have is this wonderful promise that when we hope in the middle of waiting, God gives us strength. And those times of waiting, in, in our times of waiting, that's when God matures us. Does that make sense? Okay, so in our waiting, we learn to trust God. In our waiting, we grow, we mature. And then the, finally, the third way, in our waiting, God is at work. Did you know that God is at work in your waiting? The thing that you're longing for, God's at work there even though you might not be able to see it? And many times to you and I, what does it feel like? It feels like nothing is happening. There's nothing happening here. Nothing is, nothing is changing with this relationship. Nothing's changing with my ex. Nothing is changing with this person that I really like. Nothing's changing. God, no, there's nothing happening. It feels like nothing is happening. But the promise we see here is that even though we can't see it, doesn't mean God's not at work. Back to the story, Zechariah. Zechariah has this encounter with the angel, the angel, and he struggles to believe that God is at work. Wouldn't you? I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. We haven't seen each other. How do we? I am struggling to believe that you're at work here, God. He struggles to believe. In fact, the angel Gabriel um, says that Zechariah will be mute, which means he won't be able to speak until the child is born. And this is not so much a punishment for not believing as much as it's an opportunity for Zechariah to be silent, to sit quietly and see that God was at work. And so what, what we see here is he goes, what? Okay, I'm not going to be able to talk? Okay, zip it. He finishes up his duties at the temple. He goes home, and shortly thereafter... Elizabeth gets pregnant, and in that moment, we're like, wow, we look back on it. You go, God was at work. And the day comes, and Zechariah and Elizabeth, they had been waiting, and they had endured hardship, and they had been, it felt difficult, and they felt sadness and frustration and despair. But now, they're holding a new baby boy. God was at work. And the neighbors and the relatives come around. They're like, oh, my gosh, you have a baby. It's awesome. And they, they were like, what are you going to name the boy? And uh, Zechariah and bring me a writing tablet. Um, you know, they, he, he couldn't text it. So they bring him a writing tablet over, and he writes, his name is John on the tablet. And the text says that immediately his mouth was loosened and he could talk again. And here's what happens. is immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand is with him. Zechariah and Elizabeth couldn't see it at first, but God was clearly at work. God used Zechariah and Elizabeth to start a whole chain of events. 
that would result in John, little baby John, becoming John the Baptist who would prepare the way for the big event, the central focus in all of human history. You don't think so? What year is it? <laughs> it is built around and centered around the coming of Jesus into the world. And Zechariah and Elizabeth got to play in it, not on their timing, but on God's timing. Listen, this whole chain of events adds up to be the center focal point of history, and they got used for it. Listen, you have no idea what God may be up to in your life. You don't know. You don't know the future. You don't know what God is doing behind the scenes in your life right now. You just don't. You don't know where he's at work. You don't know what opportunities are in front of you. You might know part of it, but you don't know everything. You don't know. And God may be at work for a financial breakthrough, a relational breakthrough. Maybe some of you want to have kids. Maybe some of you want to get rid of your kids. <laughs> your desire to have children. What we do know what we do know, what we see, and what we lean into during Advent is that God is at work in you. He's working in you. If you're in a season of waiting, hear me. This is an important season in your life. Nothing is wasted. Nothing. And this December... You got an early Christmas present. You've been given a gift. You have four weeks, starting today, to wait, to pause, to reflect. And maybe this Advent, in your waiting, you need to be reminded. You know that God hasn't forgotten about you? He hasn't. He's with you. He sees more of what you're going through than you probably do? Did you know that he knows the depths of you better than you know the depths of yourself? Maybe some of you need to, need to be reminded that he has a plan for you. You can trust him. And some of you need to hear, right now, you're being matured. God is maturing you. Not just in your age and face, but God is maturing you like a fine wine. He is changing you. That you are slowly, you know how you know, it's really hard to tell that if you change from yesterday to today. But if you look five years, ten years, you see a pattern that God is maturing you. And some of you need to hear that. You may not feel like he is, but he is. And others of you in the season, this is a perfect time to surrender, to let God be God. Maybe you don't need to overfunction. Maybe there's a space where you say, God, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to allow you to mature me. I'm going to wait. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to see what happens. We see that in Zechariah and Elizabeth. Yes, they're cynical. Yes, they kick tires on the, on the whole project, but they left room for God to speak. We, they made room 
for God to do his work. That's what we need to do. He wants you to believe that he's at work, even though you might not be seeing it. He's at work in you. So do you want to make room for God this Advent season? What he's doing? I say we make some room. Why don't we all stand?